You're listening to Voyager Podcast, a show for discovery in Web3, culture, music, tech, and futurism. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. You can find our website at voyagermedia.xyz. On the show today, Jess Sloss, based outside Vancouver, Canada. His work is focused on crypto strategy for creators. It's a really exciting time right now for NFTs, as crypto achieves a new height of connection with the mainstream. Jess is an instigator at Seed Club, a Y Combinator style incubator for social token projects. Their first cohort included RAC, Alex Mazmaj, and Connie Digital. Seed Club recently announced a second cohort, including Axia, an anonymous mystical Axie, and a group of media and community projects exploring how Web3 tools can help them to create more impact and value. Jess is also a contributor for the Mint Fund, helping to cover gas costs for artists minting their first NFTs, and also at Forefront, a news publication that's home for social tokens content and creators' insights, perhaps the singular best NFT newsletter in the game. In this conversation, recorded earlier today, we delve into many NFT projects and technology experiments, including CryptoPunks, NBA Top Shot, Eula Beats, Al Zora Foundation, and the concept of crypto media. And of course, plenty about Seed Club and how best creators can start getting involved in this emerging space. Starting off now with Jess, from his perspective, what's it like watching NFTs starting to blossom and unfold? Yeah, I, mean, I think like the the big question in crypto forever has been when the mainstream, and I think we're getting an answer to that right now. The mainstream is through NFTs, and um, you know I think even myself felt a little slow to catch on to the full breadth and and I think size of this tidal wave that's coming over us right now, and I think the underlying value and opportunity that that exists there. So I think it's a, a compounding sort of dynamic where you have it's really easy to understand thing once you get it. Um, there's you know a bunch of money being made, which is always a catalyst in crypto. There's people who now get it, have a lot of uh, status, authority, reach. You know, they're influencers, they're creators, so they're you know they're a trusted source of of information to many millions of people. And you know, we have the underlying, uh, I guess, infrastructure that allows for us to make, sell talk about, uh, onboard, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's just sort of like a confluence of a bunch of work that's been done over the last you know, five years or more, along with um, just this real simple idea of a digital collectible. Who would have thought? But uh, I think where it goes is where it gets really interesting. And we're still really early on in, in trying to figure all that out. But it's been wild. I think it's going to get wilder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that shattering of the glass moment where it's like digital artifacts and media and things can actually have value on the internet. And it's almost runs completely counter to how we have considered creative works on the internet up to this point. I've been having conversations with friends out here in Australia and artists and creators and just in the last couple of weeks, like something has, has sort of permeated uh, for people and they're like, hold up, what's this NFT thing? Because, you know, and I'm someone they know who does things in crypto. So I'm getting messages about it. And it really feels like a moment where creators are like, hold up, I'm seeing people sell their works for like 10 or 20, $30,000 in ETH. Okay, you really need to tell me about NFTs now, basically. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so interesting how there's always this like fear of speculation for a lot of, I think artists and creatives and especially in the crypto space, because it can be kind of wild if, you know, financial aspect is the core of it, but I think it is an essential piece to bring people into the space. It makes it worthwhile for folks to, to pay attention. Uh, you know, I don't know where this market goes. Like there's going to be a lot more NFTs that exist in the world in the next six months than have in the past six months. So I think everybody should proceed with, with caution and an understanding that we are still really trying to figure this stuff out. But I think underneath it is this idea that you can have media, be freely accessible and and yet still have value. And so having value in the original um, as a collectible, as maybe some form of utility moving forward, along with or that, that maybe grows as more and more people are, are able to see it and pay attention to it, I think is, you know, subtly transformative. Um, and I think, you know, you, you shared a tweet earlier about this idea of like token gated access. And I think that's another one of those sort of things that's really, subtle right this idea that okay well if i sell a bunch of nfts now that i can do is say okay well anybody who's bought an nft only you are allowed to come hang out in this channel on discord and so you created an experience and a community and and it's sort of this evolution of a membership site so i think it's these like compounding um you know collectability utility and um you know the the incentives aligned both from you know, the creator of the media wanting to get as much exposure and and uh, visibility on their work, along with the owner of that media wanting to have the same thing happen. Uh, and you know, uh, a friend of ours, Joey, talks about this idea of uh, the audience growing the creator, and I think that's like the the dynamic that's really at play here, where we are all aligned now in um, in growing the value of our work and our, our creativity. And that hasn't been the case. In web2 platforms you know you are giving your ownership away in a very real way over your content to these platforms who are then monetizing it and most often uh, not only reducing the amount of money they pay you but probably charging you money to actually reach those fans that you your content helped to build and so um you know james young from collabland talks about the, the big difference in web3 is that you you uh, you can sort of profit as you go so in web two, you, you build an audience. And then at some point you sell your audience out to profit. If you think about Facebook being the good example and web three, like the best projects are going to be ones who are able to monetize as they go. The value grows as you collaborate to create value together. Uh, so I think it's the, the, the bigger brain opportunity here, but nested in this really simple, easy to understand. And, and I often wonder if like, do you think Pokemon cards kind of unlocked a lot of this? Like we just came from mm. this like big wave of Pokemon collectibles being a thing. It's most often the example that gets brought up as I talk to people who are kind of new to the space. Um, so I think there's, yeah, just a lot of interesting cultural moments happening at once um, that hopefully will end up really supporting independent creators. Yeah, totally. Um, there's the kind of, <clears throat> right now you could say the price or value discovery kind of uh, haphazard kind of gold rush going on of like, okay, NFTs are booming, but what kinds of NFTs? What actually has value? Um, and what does that even mean in this context? And, um, you know, there's different NFT platforms where it's like anyone can come and mint whatever they want. And so we're going to see like an insane proliferation of the raw number of NFTs and, and creators and things like that. Then you have you know, the Alzoras and super rares of the world that really curate the collections that they drop on there and things like that. And then not to mention, you know, NFTs having 
higher perceived value and scarcity. For instance, if they're minted on Ethereum, we're looking at like CryptoPunks or the like new like Eula beats, which I, as a music person, I'm like completely fascinated with and really, really dig that. And so for the people that are kind of, you know, you could say, you know, uh, of, of some scale of Ethereum whales, wherever they are in the whale scale, um, starting to really jump into NFTs over the last few months as major long-term investments, especially when we're talking about maybe CryptoPunks and, and stuff like that, which, you know, maybe that's at like the upper end of the scale compared to where we're talking about as well of like uh, creators and online communities finding new ways to be able to like build value and, and build themselves together. The kind of the, It's such a multifaceted space when we talk about NFTs. We're actually talking about quite a few different things all at the same time right so it can get a yeah, little a, you can get a little tripped up it's a file type right it's not like yeah <laughs> and who knows where we go language wise but i think like the underlying dynamics like it's cool to see something like a crypto punks and um a euler beats and then maybe like you know the, a community that's growing around a smaller artist and i think they all share similar things and, and the idea what what people have a hard time grasping i guess is they they, they see maybe mostly more mainstream crypto people they see a lack of liquidity as a as a big negative in these spaces and and like there's a whole lot of reasons to like maybe doubt the prices of things like you can easily wash trade these these things if you want to um but i think the successful projects from a collectability standpoint are going to have these networks of people and organizations that um are taking long-term bets on it and and they're holding these things for a while and so this idea of you know in in the nft space of sort of building out your collector audience or your collector base or whatever that word is we're going to use to describe it i think is um, going to be a skill set that the best creators build and i think that can be like individual like can be a community um and then I'll, i guess on the, the larger side like there's a, a you know a vibrant community in and around the crypto punk space and then i think when you start to layer on coordination mechanisms on top of that so like DAOs that hold assets that um, are in support of one of these creator networks or, or artists artists or nft types i think it gets super super interesting um and yeah i don't know where that goes I, in many ways i think much of these a lot of these systems are going to turn out to be like the the diamond industry where there's going to be a couple big players that really hold on to most of the assets and kind of control the supply. I think we're already seeing that in, in some, um, but yeah, I just think that the whole thing's wild and, and you're right. It's going to play out on, on multiple different scales. So, I mean, where are we now? It's like towards the end of February, 2021, if you're listening in the distant future. Um, and you know, it, it's really been the last couple of months where there's been like a, a, a rapid escalation in, you know, um, social currency or consciousness around NFTs. Gary Vaynerchuk and VaynerMedia are now exploding about NFTs. As I've mentioned before, people like Jake Paul and various, you know, internet notables are going to come into it in a big way. Um, but for yourself and Seed Club, certainly you guys were operational and, and working in this uh, before everything, like rapidly escalated just now um, and kind of helping to sort of build out um, and, and gather people together and iterate on these ideas and experiment, support people and do really, really cool shit. So C-Club, super cool. Um, and by your own tagline, crypto Y Combinator for creators is kind of the, the mindset. Um, and so very quick background um, around you've had basically cohort-based programs to help communities 
turn their creativity and social capital into digital assets. It's kind of exactly what we're talking about. And part of your first cohort included uh, music artist RAC, who we were talking about on a recent episode with Cooper Turley, uh, Alex, you know, Cash Sign Alex, Asmej, Connie Digital, and a bunch of others. And you now have your kind of um, second cohort uh, that you announced recently who are coming through and stuff. Um, I mean, from the top, there's a lot to, to touch on here, but sort of what was the initial inspiration? How did, what were the early conversations and, you know, instigators of bringing C club, um, together? What did that look like? Well, yeah. Uh, I happened to have a few friends who launched tokens and then we're like, well, okay, what do I do now? And this is kind of weird. And we have way more questions than we, than we have answers to those questions. And so started off as conversations started then like any good crypto project became a telegram group, which then kind of grew into, um, you know, what we are now, which is a DAO that lives out on, on the internet and is owned by some of our creators and, and our collaborators. Um, and so, yeah, it really was born out of this idea that there are there, there's a lot of there's still a lack of clarity in how to do these things well. Um, you know, we always say it's really easy to launch a token, really hard to launch a valuable token, and really uncertain how you launch a long-term valuable token. And so we want to play in that the second space there, which is, um, you know, uh, what do you do? How do you do these things well? And the reality is there's no blueprint out there. Uh, we don't have the blueprint. You know, these things are still being built right now. And so the way we wanted to approach it was to just get a bunch of smart people together in a room and to go through, you know, what ultimately became a six-week program together to to figure that out. Um, so our first cohort was really around, you know, working with a lot of creators who had launched tokens before us and how seeing how that went for them and how we could be valuable to them. And um, this cohort is taking people who are just about to launch a token or wa want to launch a token and actually help them walk through that process and, and do that at a faster, more successful pace. Um, yeah, I think there's, you know, the, the, I think it's easy to think that right now, as a lot of attention comes to the space, and I still think we're extremely early in this, that that stuff has been figured out and, everybody who's doing something in the space right now is experimenting in some way or another. And, you know, the nature of crypto projects, I think, are, are um, such that, you know, it's probably closer to, to performance art than it is to mechanism design in the space, uh, creative applications, uh, remixing, um, figuring out how to bring people together around storylines. There's just like this unending number of interesting design spaces that we could dive into. And so, you know, I think long-term we look at, at ourselves as just, wanting to, to play as the, the, the most interesting experiments that push the social token space further. Um, you know, NFTs are playing a big role in that right now. I would assume they play a, an evolving role moving forward as these communities start to look at ways of generating revenue and curating and uh, doing a bunch of activities on chain. Um, but yeah, this is going to get you know bigger and weirder in the way I think you, you make, at least the way I've made my way through the crypto space so far is just to surround myself with really smart people who are thinking about this in, in a deep way and coming at it from a perspective that is long-term minded. And I think that's what we've built at C Club and, and hopefully can continue to steward. Yeah, I think it's super interesting that you kind of went for the format of, you know, cohort based coming through that'll, you know, continue to sort of build out the alumni, if you like, and, you know, the kind of the smart people in the room and uh, potential support um, for new new projects coming through for people who've done it before them and stuff like that. And um, as you say, like there's so much complexity around 
launching tokens, how to do it well, how to really engage with the community, how to build value long-term. I think it's super cool what you guys are bringing together, um, bringing together there. And like, I mean, some of the projects of the people that are kind of, you could say your, I don't know, uh, your advisors or the people that are in the room, so to speak, coming from projects such as uh, Audius, uh, Zora, Gitcoin, um, uh, Meta Cartel people, Collab Land, like it's all very, you know, very, very relevant experience. And now sort of iterating in a new direction with this C Club thing. It feels so recent that the first of these social tokens were launching and crypto Twitter was uh, at times reacting with bemusement of like, okay, what? What is this now? Um, but it's really like evolving fast. And it's cool to see that all these people that were, many many of them are people that have been super active in, in DAOs and experimenting with that. And now it's it's coming through to this. I mean, um, off the top of your head, basically, like who, who are some of the uh, players and interesting projects that are coming through in cohort two now? Yeah, so, you know, we had over 50 applications um and, and just a lot of really strong you know projects applied uh, to to this cohort and i think one of the things that i think you're touching on with this idea of going with a cohort and, and building this alumni network is we really see how this is um you know, the best way to, to grow and scale a project in in crypto is just to find great people you know help them reach their dreams and reach some level of success and be in a position and be incentivized to to continue to help others coming up. And so a core function of C Club is that our creators are given some ownership in C Club and ultimately will be the, the curators of this network moving forward. Um, and so, you know, we it was a very purposeful, um, detailed sort of process of trying to make sure that we choose the right projects to partner with long-term. And we look at every single participant in that list as somebody that we've aligned ourselves with long-term um, as we will be sort of holders of their token and and our future will really rely on on sort of their actions in many ways. And so it's a long-winded way of saying, I love every single one of these projects. They're exciting me in in various different ways. I think there's you know a couple of ones that are maybe easier to, to kind of wrap your head around and, and are kind of exciting. Uh, I'm really interested in sort of how independent media can be funded. Um, so we're seeing uh, projects like um, the First Mint, which is an, an NBA Top Shots podcast, just go through like insane, insane growth over the last, even since we started working with them. You know, I think he had 2,000 followers on Twitter when we talked the first time. It's probably over 14,000 right now. Like it's just a rocket ship. And Luke's trying to figure out like how do how do I do well by my community? How do I you know fund this thing moving forward? And how do I sort of uh, involve people who've been super helpful in getting this off the ground and who want to be helpful in growing this um, to, to, to be a part of, the, of this organization? And I think, you know, a, a social token, which ultimately is a very lightweight DAO, um, is, is a, you know, a great fit for what, for, uh, what they're working on. And, and we'll see where he ends up with it. But I'm really excited just based on the, like the niche there. And especially since a lot of those people are brand new to crypto, it, it'll be kind of like an interesting experiment. We have a couple other communities that are in that space. One is Ampled and the other is Protein. They both have their own you know, long histories of success in their own rights. Um, Ampled is a, a like Patreon free musicians. That's a co-op. So it's owned by worker owners. Um, and there's, exploring how a social token might fit into that model. And I, I don't know what that ex ultimately looks like, but I know there's probably some of the most thoughtful, intentional people that I've worked with in this space. And it's going to be really exciting to see uh, where that goes. And Protein's been a creative community. that has been around for probably close to 20 years in various forms. And they always see themselves as being on the edge of 
uh, experimenting with new technologies and tools. And so again, really interested in seeing how, how Will's able to you know, integrate a token or where they actually end up with their, because like, obviously there's, it's a, a bit of a different path if you're launching into an existing community than maybe bootstrapping one. Um, and then maybe on the weirder side of things, we have Axia, who's a mystical NFT. Um, so this is a digital character. Every time I speak with them, they have a voice changer on. So I do not know what their voice is. Awesome. Um, they're one of two anonymous founders um, or, or projects within our, our uh, cohort. And uh, Axia's sort of asked the question of like, well, what does it look like for the community to own an influencer and to profit and to be owners in the success that they, that community helps to generate. So you'll see Axia be a, an NFT collector and build a, a collection of NFTs um, with the figurehead being an NFT that's all community owned. I think that's absolutely wild. Yeah, that's I, really I, there was cool. a tweet that somebody put out there was like, you know, uh, I, I want to live in a world where uh, an NFT can participate in an incubator. And I was like, yes. <laughs> It's a good world. <laughs> Damn. That's super, super cool, man. Um, yeah, I love that. Th this is the kind of zany creative um, forces that you're encountering in this world. Um, putting an Axia forward for, you know, uh, an incubator cohort is super damn cool. Um, and, and for, you know, uh, for those listening as well, uh, seedclub.xyz, um, there's a blog post as well where you can check out like the full, uh, second cohort and details about all those projects and check them out, you know, go down the rabbit hole, um, join the seed club discord, why not? Um, but also exploring like the Twitter accounts of all these different projects and stuff, um, I can recommend is a lot of fun. Um, Something that I would also like um, to touch on is uh, Mint Fund as well that uh, you're involved with. And so this is like um, answering another kind of, uh, you could say, friction point or, you know, um, a barrier to entry perhaps to the space around um, essentially assisting crypto creators in minting their first NFTs by helping to handle like gas fees and stuff like that. Like there are, there's costs involved in, in getting set up and started with this. Um, so again, like, yeah, I love this super positive initiative and stuff like that. How did Mint Fund get started? Um, and um, there's also the aspect where, uh, as it says through, through the website and stuff, you know, Mint Fund is accessible to all artists, but prioritizing BIPOC uh, LGBTQIA plus artists um, and all this kind of stuff. So like looking for that sort of social inclusion aspect as well that's running through Mint Fund, I think is is cool to see. Yeah, so uh, full credit for Mint Fund goes to Amir uh, from, he's one of our, our participants in our second cohort and it's sort of just an emerging, I guess, influencer in, in the uh, crypto art space and Carlos Gomez, who's behind uh, Forefront and also an earlier collaborator in, uh, in C Club itself, uh, both two wonderful human beings who, uh, yeah, don't exactly know where the inception point was, but I think there was sort of a conversation with Jacob from Zora and um, they started thinking about like, okay, well, actually, I think what happened was somebody uh, um, on uh, Amir's Twitter said, hey, who wants to give me some money to help mint and I'll give you a portion of the, the revenue that comes back. And so I think that was wildly successful. He was super stoked on it and it kind of just emerged from from that initial aspect. Um, yeah, there's there's significant costs to minting on Ethereum and I think there's a lot of value in minting on Ethereum. So, we're, you know, we're paying to have this media, you know, embedded into 
history, this digital history that will be the Ethereum blockchain. Um, so there's there's a gravitas to that, I believe. Um, and it's also a big limiting factor for many people uh, in North America, but especially around the world where, you know, $100 might be a significant portion, if not all of uh, a monthly earnings. Yeah, and so the intention really was to cast a, a wide net to find talent that is locked out of the space due to the barrier that is gas fee fees. And then to, you know, not only uh, help pay those gas fees, which Mint Fund covers, you know, 100% of, but also provide guidance, uh, mentorship, um, and, you know, I think an evolving level of services that help them, these people who are, I mean, it's, we just went through our, I think there's a couple hundred applicants already. I think we've had to pause those applicants for right now because it's just been a challenge to get through. The talent that is out there is insane. And, um, you know, I think you can sort of see a, a lot of really interesting things coming out of a group like this that's able to go and find underrepresented talent, uh, help them with what is a really, I mean, it's a, a fairly simple thing ultimately. It's just a, a really unnecessary an unfortunate barrier. I wouldn't say it's unnecessary, an unfortunate barrier that I can sort of uh, solve. And I think you're going to see like a really dynamic community emerging from there. Um, and I think Mint Fund will play sort of, uh, they have some experiments that they're, they're working on right now that I think will be really exciting to see. And, you know, the, you know, the, the I think broadly speaking, this idea of curation DAOs is going to be just a huge trend in the next year or two. Um, and I think I could see Mint Fund stepping into that as well. But um, you know, I, I'm mostly there as a, a proud supporter of those two human beings who are just uh, absolutely gems of human beings and um, just trying to help however I can really credit goes to them. Super cool. Um, so the website for that mint.af, um, do go check that out. It's a great website. It's a great way. <laughs> it's so good. It is nicely done, actually. Um, and so you you noted there on, on Carlos as well and, and Forefront, um, which is a publication that like I super highly recommend um, if you're interested in in this whole space like they do they do really great work so the home of social tokens content and creator insights they have a really brilliant newsletter that goes deep in these areas um, and it's presented uh, really well it's a very colorful creative space that we're talking about so as far as a newsletter goes um, they're going to be some you know pretty bright and colorful kind of news items of like uh, notable things that have been happening in this space and among the you know, community who are messing around with NFTs and crypto media and stuff like that. Um, so I can highly recommend uh, Forefront as well. It's a, like, it's a relatively new publication, I believe, right? Yeah, I mean, Carlos works a full-time job and is still somehow able to make probably the premier destination for social token insight on, on, on the internet. So it's superhuman, really. Um, and, and he and I collaborate on that uh newsletter that goes out every Monday morning. It's just a, the simplest place to stay up to date with what's happening in this creator crypto economy. Um, and, you know, there's also a good way of sort of, uh, there's a bunch of creative creator profiles there that really what we're trying to get at is, is being able to expose these social tokens, creator projects to um, the, a broader audience and to give some more data or, or context beyond just market cap. Cause I think, it is not the best way to understand what's happening and what value is being created in the space to just look at the price of a token. Like it's great that, you know, I think friends with benefits right now, which is you know, a wonderful example has, you know, it's probably close to a $200 million market cap. What does that mean? Is that worth $200 million? Probably not, but is it there? Yes, it is. Okay. But you know, forefront kind of breaks down the number of holders and some more details of it. It's really trying to put the, 
the spotlight on the community, which is ultimately what drives value. I think as we were talking before about collectors and, and these people who just want to be a part of this thing and, and ultimately probably would never sell. I have, you know, some friends with benefits. I have no desire of selling it. It's, it's sort of like a cultural artifact in my wallet right now uh, and gives access to a really great community. Um, so yeah, Forefront is going to continue to evolve and try to be that, that um, best place to understand what's happening in this weird space. So Forefront.news is, is definitely the place to check out. Yeah, super cool, man. Um, yeah, it's it's been one of my kind of happier discoveries in in the media world of, of the last little while, something I've been very keenly following and reading and enjoying and things like this. Um, shout out to like a, a project that I super appreciate in Alzora as well. Um, as this whole thing has been unfolding over the last span of time, um, uh, Foundation really grabbed my attention uh, and also Alzora um, kind of aligning with I suppose like the the consciousness or the mission statement or whatever was going on there along with their curation of the actual art coming through their platforms is really fantastic. Um, and yeah, big fan of it. And so um, I'd love to touch on this concept of crypto media. It, it kind of, it gets to the heart of what we've been talking about. Um, and so uh, Jacob Horn from uh, Alzora kind of uh, put out this really great uh, blog post a little while ago and I'll just quote from it a, a little part of it crypto media can be thought of as hypermedia with built-in property rights crypto media is the canonical instance of a piece of hypermedia it can be thought of as the original crypto media is created using the Zorro protocol that's what they're really trying to like drive that stake right into the ground right there right um, but I love this concept of crypto media it's a it's an interesting um it's an interesting swing and attempt to really coin a term that may that may stick um, and be useful as a kind of uh, as a concept. Um, I mean, is this something that emanated from uh, the smart people in a room at Seed Club or something? Is this you know because it feels like um, you know something that I feel like like Jacob definitely has a talent. What I've seen like coming from online in in, in seeking to really define terms to create culture to have like a purpose and a narrative built around what they're building as a protocol. And he's laying down a lot of stuff that really makes sense. And I've been resonating with it. But yeah, I, I would love to kind of bounce that bounce that off you the sort of crypto media concept. Yeah, so I mean, C Club was very lucky to have Jacob as one of our earliest supporters. Um, he's a brilliant human being. And I think has done a lot of good work, both on sort of the underlying protocol of Zora, but also in, you know, maybe more so in, in the narrative around this. And I think uh, whether it's, you know, crypto media or media Legos, I think Jesse Walden used recently in a post, uh, I think it's super helpful to, uh, to expand the potential of NFTs beyond just art. And um, what, what I think we'll see moving forward is, is a lot, you know, what Zora was really pushing is that any type of media could be an NFT and, and, and each one of those NFTs should have their own, its own market tied into it and with, with sell on shares, et cetera. Um, you know, there, and it's, it's a, a unique packaging of it ultimately, but, but what I've been most excited about is just how they've sort of been trying to integrate with other platforms and really push the bounds of what's possible. And so, you know, one example would have been the, the integration they have within with Mirror, which is sort of this uh, you know, crypto decentralized blogging platform uh, that's being built. That's probably not the best way to describe it, but gets the point across, I think, where um, 
they were John Palmer used it, the sort of crowdfunding widget to crowdfund an, an essay where essentially he raised, hit his hard cap of 10 ETH. Everybody who put money in got a ERC 20 token back an essay token. Um, and ultimately that gives every token holder a share of whatever the value of the media that gets created uh, ends up being, you know, you know, in perpetuity, there's sort of a sell on share that exists. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where that goes. Um, I think there's a, a bunch of really interesting potentials and it's sort of dependent on the outcome being valuable in some sort, um, which it may or may not be. I mean, it, it is right now, um, but I think it's super interesting to see that sort of thing applied to multiple different areas. So we'll see catalog, which is using the Zora protocol, which is going to be around sort of allowing you to own the original track that an artist might put out. So if you're into music, that's sort of a one to watch. We're seeing a bunch of creators that are in our orbit that are looking to, to launch on that next month. Um, we'll see podcasts. I mean, we'll, you know, not using Zora, but I think um, tomorrow we'll see Justin Kahn, who's, you know, internet, the founder of Justin TV um, now uh, has a YouTube channel. He'll be selling off NFTs of his videos through uh, OpenSea, I believe. And, you know, again, it's sort of this idea, like there's collectible moments in these videos. Um, it's an interesting way of people being able to almost invest in a creator early. So if I bought one of your first videos, it's probably not worth a whole lot, but in the future, if you become, you know, Mr. Beast at you know, hundred subs versus Mr. Beast today, like there's probably going to be some, difference in value there. So I think it's a really ripe area to explore. We'll s and, and I think what um, Jacob's just done a really great job at is articulating that or widening the, the purview of what NFTs could be seen as, um, you know, and I think it's, there, there's like this really growing ecosystem, uh, both in the artist space, you know, you mentioned foundation, huge fans of, of what they do there, bringing a real like fine art curatorial angle to it, which I think is awesome. Um, and you know, I think Zora's bringing in, a, you know, it's less curation, more about sort of open access to these building blocks. And we're going to see everything in between. Um, and I just, I, I think it's the composing of these things together into some sort of more meta organization that really gets me excited. So like, what, what is the, the evolution of a record label look like? Or I think as we were talking pre-show here, like the evolution of a sub stack, like the everything bundle, but crypto centric like that's super cool um i'm really interested in how these things because you know what these sort of nft marketplaces ultimately allow you to do is and in crypto media is you can collaborate as multiple people on creating something that gets minted as crypto media that then has some value right it's marketable that has value on chain which can then be governed by uh, a dao or or token holders could be fractionalized eventually could maybe live in some sort of lending protocol or pool and so like there's a lot of really interesting media legos um that, that can be at play here that um are digitally native which i think is you know if we think about the early version of nfts people are talking about putting real estate on the blockchain and blah 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 even even like publishing rights on the blockchain and it's just really complex because there's these existing real world limitations we're now playing in a purely digital world whether it's the metaverse or you know, just an audio file living on the internet. Uh, and they have a lot more freedom to do interesting things from a coordination and, and valuation standpoint. Yeah, that's such a, such a good point, man. Like a few years ago in the sort of, you know, uh, previous crypto boom, 2017 times, 
And it was so that and uh, the, the tokenize the tokenization of, of real world assets, real estate or, or whatever. And now potentially you could say it was a lack of imagination or it just wasn't there yet. So now that we're, you know, looking at purely internet digital uh, assets, experiences and, and value creation that are not governed by jurisdictions or existing, you know, laws and, you know, property rights and all this kind of stuff. It can be formed on the fly. You can mint an essay, as you said, and own fractional parts of, of a piece of purely digital media or co-creation by a DAO in a, you know, some work that so then, it, you know, it's like Schrodinger's um, creative work. It's like who actually made it? We all made it or maybe we didn't. Maybe a part of it was even AI generated. You know, there's no human author. Like who knows, right? It's kind of it's kind of boundless uh, in this space, and I can't remember if we like we're talking about it before we started recording or now. But Eula Beats as well, because um, I'm a music freak and a record freak. Um, yeah, Eula Beats like popping up as this like really really fantastic. I mean, I, are you able to give a, a quick synopsis on on what that uh, project and assets all about? So I need to come clean. Like I have a deep hatred of Euler beats in my heart and not oh, because amazing. it's, not, it's, it's an amazing uh, no it's not it's an amazing project i love it and my it's very selfish i tried to get in on the sale of the originals and they had a front end error and many of us were unable to actually get in there and so it right. brings a tear to my eyes because ultimately yes yeah, it's real scarce i believe there's 27 of these nfts they're um sort of generative music tracks i guess um so you didn't know exactly what you're getting um and they have this really unique sort of uh royalty model built baked in where one person can own the original and then any of us can come and mint um prints i guess is the word they're using i, I think right. that's the right word right mm -hmm. and, and these prints are being minted on a block uh, on a bonding curve so the more demand the higher the price and um what you saw was like some of these you know Euler beats nfts or, or music tracks were more desirable than others. And so there's different demands along the ways, but what was built in was sort of this mechanism for uh, the, the token holder, like the original holder to earn revenue off of it. And I think I saw a tweet from a DC investor who is a big NFT investor who's talking about how he paid six ETH for one of these things on a second secondary market. And that as people have, have minted these prints, I think he's almost earned all of his revenue back already. Plus the original team has has also sort of uh, gotten uh, you know one or two ETH share from that, and you know this mm. is a week in, and and who knows where it goes. Totally. But I think it's like an, an example of uh, probably the big trend that I, th I think we'll see in the next little while is like generative art generally on the blockchain. It's like native blockchain art right now. Most assets or NFTs are you know uh, have a hash that's on the on the blockchain, but the media is stored ideally on IPFS, but in many uh, cases. Um, AWS, right? Like, so it's not the most decentralized thing. Generative art is stored purely on the blockchain. And so it can be recreated at any point in time. Um, I think that's super interesting, but what makes it even more interesting is like these, like what, what does a decentralized autonomous artist look like, right? And I think that's something that um, Simon's pulling on with his Neelastics project where there's like, you, you mint a piece that has, it's essentially uh, a three by three square with three or four different color potentials. Uh, some are more rare than others. You don't know what you're going to get. 99.5% uh, of all the value gets stored in a, a, a bonding curve. So you can go and burn it back to the bonding curve if you don't want it in the future. Um, price goes up as more people buy and goes down as, as um, you know, people burn. And so 
you know, it's almost like these economic engines that just get unleashed on the world that happen mm-hmm. to be creating art that happen to be generating revenue. And I think it's just an early sign of what's to come generally. Um, and I think, you know, Euler Beats is another great example of this. Um, and I think if you look at what's happening on like a platform like Art Blocks, which has just blown up recently around generative art, um, and imagine that that Art Blocks is, you know, a DAO where people are curating the best projects to come in, a certain amount of revenue is being stored in, you know, the the vault or, or like the pieces are being stored in this vault. Um, and, you know, there's one of the unique things I think with NFTs is there's a sell-on secondary market share that continues to go back to artists, which I don't think we've touched on, but I think it's yeah. super valuable. The idea that, you know, 5% of every sale in perpetuity is going to go back to the original artist is, um, you know, something that's really innovative because you don't get that in, you know, traditional art world you get the original sale and every secondary sale is going to a gallery or, totally, or just yeah. the, the holder so the, the again these engines are i think coordination around uh art building networks around it like the the crypto punk dow which i've heard teased about i think is going to be a really interesting idea we're working on something and with the uh you know unofficially in, in the art block space that i think is also really interesting um how do you how can you come together and create more value in and around these um, you know, creative works that get captured on chain and that you can do cool things with. I don't know, it's gonna be weird and, and awesome. And the, the you know, one of the, the benefits of sitting in my seat is I get to see things that are coming, you know, people share stuff and some of the tools that are being built right now that are going to enable this are really close. And I think they're gonna blow a lot of people's minds. Um, and you know, we're seeing that with Zora. We're seeing that with Foundation. We're seeing that with some of the stuff the uh, the Open Law crew's doing with Flamingo DAO and 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 uh, the Lao. And uh, there's dozens more. So wild. What do you think about Ethereum versus? Because um, you know, when we're talking about like you know gas fees involved in minting and stuff like that, curious about leave like Binance crypto punks to one side for a second. Um, what do you think about Ethereum versus flow for NFTs for artists? Cause obviously NBA top shot is exploding right now, built on flow and all that kind of stuff. Are there questions of perceived, uh, value, you know, differences like, you know, between flow, which is more, you know, it, it's an alternate layer one and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm really fascinated by this, right? Because perhaps flow has amazing upside um and and so on or it's the exact opposite it it feels like hard to tell at this time like is flow the chain for uh enterprise things like they're going to collaborate with the nba and and all these kind of big brands and corporations and blah 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 and it can kind of be something like a private chain so anyone can jump in you uh put money into your dapper balance and I can buy NBA Top Shop moments and, and blah, blah, blah. So it's more like the commercial side of the scene. But, you know, are we going to be seeing like some of these uh, more uh, creator art kind of projects looking to build on on Flow as opposed to Ethereum? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the multiple billion dollar question. Um, totally. I think, you know, we just get it's crypto so uh, awfully and wonderfully tribal in its own ways. And um yeah, I think my Twitter account reminds me of that on a daily basis. Um, so I think, you know, the, the reality is there's, we have to be pragmatic at some point. And I think that pragmatism is really rearing its head right now because it costs a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. I don't know, like, I think gas prices were at an all time high today as we record or so I've heard. Um, and so for a lot of use cases, it just it does not make sense to do it on Ethereum. You cannot do it. Um, and 
you know, I, I think that's driving a lot of real smart people to look at different ways of, of building out the use cases they want to build out. And, you know, uh, L2s, uh, rollups, other chains, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, but uh, I know that we're actively exploring multiple um, places for our creators to go play. Um, and uh, I think every other smart team is doing the same thing just out of necessity. You know, I think Flow has done, a, uh, has served a really big, powerful niche, which is like, if you are an IP holder and you want to get in on NFTs, Flow is the place for you to do it. They've de-risked a lot of it. They made onboarding easy. Great. Um, you know, I, I'm not a maximalist in any sense of the word I want, um, but but I do hold some values to be you know higher than others. And I think when it comes to creators specifically, I will not be working towards, uh, you know, a system that again, embeds creators at the mercy of other platforms. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what Flow's doing. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think they have good intentions and, and uh, you know, will decentralize to whatever point is necessary. Maybe it is right now. I, I can't really comment on that, but I think the, you know, there, when it comes to a, a crypto artist specifically, I think minting from your own address is something that you should do. And it's, you know, if you believe you're going to have a long-term legacy, that is your signature and you don't want to change your signature as an artist, as you grow, really, you want it to your earliest works to still be represented. And that's what an address is going to be. So maybe you don't want to go mint on a place that is going to mint from a general wallet, even though it is going to save you $100 to do it. Um, and obviously, it needs to be a trade off because minting larger editions is going to be a hard thing to do and, and probably doesn't work. Um, and then the question of whether you know NFTs or social tokens can live on, a, on an L2 or a different chain. You know, I think there's going to be use cases that will, right? Like the idea of, um, you know, we're working on a social token summit right now. I think what we'll do is probably sell NFTs as tickets and collectibles to, to give special access to that. Um, that type of thing might make sense to do on an L2 or on a near or on a flow that, um, whereas, you know, I think like a piece of fine art or a generative art piece or Euler beats is probably going to want to live on, on Ethereum. It's just in my mind, Ethereum is this legacy, and not in like old school, but it's something that's going to be around for forever in some form. And you can trust whatever you put there is going to be there for your, you know, your, your kids, 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 kids. I think that's an interesting idea. And I think people should, you know, if, if, if that's calling to, to folks should, should focus on, on that. Um, but I, you know, I have the, the reality is you can do a lot of things because of the cost of, of gas on Ethereum. And so um, when we look at social tokens specifically, like how we get somebody into the ecosystem, how we get them interacting, how they start to, to use these things uh, across multiple communities or in interesting ways within the communities. These are really important to ourselves and to the creators that we work with. And, um, you know, we're exploring every single possible avenue to bring that functionality to them. Um, and I, I strongly support any team that's, you know, I think carrying similar values in the blockchain space to, um, you know, where I think ownership and autonomy and, and the right to exit and, um, you know, the, the ultimate sort of control over the assets that we are earning because of the value we're creating for these networks need to be held uh, paramount. And I think it, it's easy when you start to apply that lens to some of the other like blockchains that exist out there. Um, you know, I think CryptoPunks is a great example. Binance Punks, CryptoPunks, like, you know, it, the, the intentions behind the people that are launching on these other places, I think start to be really clear and, and ultimately define the brand of these blockchains. And, um, you know, I think we're going to be living in a multi-chain universe moving forward. It's the only way forward. Uh, I believe at the core will be Ethereum as a settlement layer. Um, and, you know, underneath that is maybe layer zero is, is Bitcoin. And then it'll be a whole amazing 
you know, set of networks on top of that, that hopefully ultimately allow us all to have a little bit more autonomy and, and, you know, capital and ownership over these networks that are ultimately, you know, coordinating our economic lives. Well, dude, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Super appreciate, um, the conversation, um, you know, sharing your kind of your, your insight into this space, um, has been super interesting. Uh, I'd love to have you back sometime. Um, but until then, um, yeah, like where should people come and find you online if they're, you know, being intrigued by what they've heard, you know, what, what's their best sort of, you know, 1.0 move, uh, to start exploring the world. Yeah. I think the, the most interesting things are happening in our discord, which is easiest to be found at, uh, our Twitter account, which is seed club HQ. You can also find us on the internet at seedclub.xyz, uh, or I am at that tall guy. I know I'm not standing up right now, but it's true. People have vouched for it in real life. So, um, yeah, we, you know, and I think just generally, if, you know, to, to anybody listening to this, if you're interested in this emerging space, the place to be is in our discord and the time to be in it is now it's, uh, you know, we have a really vibrant growing community there and everybody, you know, if you haven't been a part of a new wave of technology where everybody's just trying to figure things out, it is probably the most empowering, exciting place to be. And uh, we have a, an open door for that. Um, so I, I think I said yesterday, the water's warm, come jump in. And maybe that's going to be a catch. Maybe it's a catchphrase. I don't know. That's might be a catchphrase. We'll work on it. We'll see. You, you heard it here second. Visit voyagermedia.xyz for more from this episode with links to Jess's account on Twitter at thattallguy. Also, Seed Club, The Mint Fund, Forefront, and all of the NFT projects and communities that we've been talking about. You're super welcome and invited to tumble down into this rabbit hole. Subscribe to Voyager on your podcast app. Tell your friends about this show. We're still super new. This is only episode seven, and we have incredible guests coming through. You can find Voyager Media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nick underscore Hollands on Twitter. We'll be back again very soon talking about Web3, creative works, tech, crypto, the counterculture, music, and the future. Thank you for listening. See you next time.